Hi, I'm Dr. Emmanuel Aiko. The early signs of a heart attack can vary. The most common include squeezing across the chest, a feeling of unease, and a sense that something just isn't right. It can be easy to dismiss the early signs of a heart attack as the symptoms don't always feel severe. It's never too early to call 999 and describe your symptoms. Your NHS is here for you. Well, look at this! Here's the guy here just in the nick of time. What does that make us? Big damn heroes, sir. Ain't we just? Annie, it's a little nippy out. You might want to put on a sweater. Oh, Dad, it's okay. I'm kind of warm. So there's a chill in the air and you've been on a plane. Dad, I'm fine. Annie, it is kind of cold out. It is? Yeah. All right, thanks. I'll get my jacket. I was no longer the man in my little girl's life. Something happened to me. I was on my honeymoon in 1945. I distinctly heard the barman refer to us as Sassamax. I hope you didn't take offense. It only means Englishman or, at worst, Outlander. A word to the wise, be careful after dark. The world just spun out of control. Claire? I know it doesn't make any sense. But I seem to have fallen through time. Hello and welcome to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM, the film and TV radio show where a handful of film enthusiasts shoot the breeze about all things film and television. I'm Marcus E. Ako and welcome back to 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 autumn to resonance fm to shoot the breeze it's been a while since we've heard from you often since you've heard from us uh, but we've just come back from holiday and we're saying thank you for tuning in I'll throw back to you hi i'm producer dave yeah hello and welcome and on with the show it's been it's been oh, it's been a while right we've been off for a number of weeks uh for the, the summer break now we're back for autumn um, and we've been watching a number of different things, right? TV shows and films and whatnot. Producer Dave, have you been watching quite a lot during the break? Uh, no, not a lot. I've watched a few bits, but not a lot, no. Well, I've been binge-watching non-stop. I've binge-watched so much, I've forgotten what I binge-watch, and I have to <laughs> go back and, and do full-on full draft as to what I've been watching and so on and so, on and so forth. But let me, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the most recent things that I've been watching, and, you know, I just pitch them out there, throw them out there so everybody can hear what it is you can tell me. Now, let's start with the uh, films, right, the movies. I had the recent opportunity to watch a number of movies, and this was on a flight. It was a 10-hour flight. And the entire 10 hours were just, it was, was taken up by me watching films. One of the first ones that I, I, I watched, as soon as I saw it on the list, I put it favorites, watched it on, on the plane, and it was Renfield. Have you seen Renfield yet, Producer Dave? No, I keep thinking of watching it, but um, I, the reports were, weren't that good on it, was it? But, you know. Okay. 
So, I mean, yeah, okay. So, here's the, I mean, IMDb, for example, has an average rating of 6.4. I mean, that's pretty accurate, right, for what it is. It, it, if, you, if you don't know what Renfield is, Renfield is a comedy, it's a horror comedy uh, focusing on Dracula's henchmen. So, the, the, the Igor, if you will, to Dracula. But Igor was Frankenstein, was, you know, the, the servant to Frankenstein. Renfield is the servant to Dracula. So Dracula's henchman, an inmate at the lunatic in Silent for decades, longs for a life away from the Count, his various demands, and all the bloodshed that comes with them. So essentially, Renfield is Dracula's butler. He's the one who, if Dracula doesn't want to go out and get, uh, you know, food or blood or whatever, Renfield will go out, kill people, bring them, and Dracula played fantastically by Nicolas Cage, by the way. Um, you, you know, he'll feed on the bodies. Uh, Nicholas Holt from Skins and uh, X-Men, uh, you know, First Class and so on and so forth. Uh, and, oh, and the brilliant... Um, uh, the Great, the TV series The Great. Um, he, both of them are fantastic in the film. It's it switch your brain off, enjoy it with popcorn. If you've got some drinks, oh, drink drink while you're watching. It is gory. It is funny. Uh, it, it, there's a point where it gets a little bit too much, but it it was it was pure, just you know, mindless action. Really, really, really enjoyed it. I highly recommend it. Um, Robert Kirkman is listed as one of the writers. Robert Kirkman, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe, yes, Walking Dead. He's the he's uh, one of the writers uh, behind The Walking Dead. Uh, it is directed by Chris McKay. Uh, Chris McKay uh, directed uh, Lego Movie. So the, the Lego Batman, the Lego Movie, uh, The Tomorrow War. Uh, so again, you, comedy, he's down. Um, it, it was good. It was a good film. Aquafina's in it as well. Uh, as uh, uh, kind of not love interest, but you know the female counterpart to uh, Renfield. It's a good film. I would I'd say the six and a half stars out of ten that IMDb have given it is pretty accurate for that particular film. So that was just one film in particular that I watched. I also watched the Super Mario Bros. movie, which. Uh, I know a lot of people really raved about it. Um, I'll be honest, it was okay. It, it wasn't. It wasn't too great. It was all right. Um, it was his name. Uh, Chris Pratt voices Mario, uh, and uh, Charles. Uh, what's his name? Charles Day. Charlie Day. Yes, from It's Always Sunny. Voices Luigi. It's okay. It's a good film. Good thing for the kids to watch. Um, but I, I preferred Lego Movie to Super Mario Bros. But, you know, it's there. If you want to entertain the kids, go check that one out. So those are two main films. Oh, of course, and of course, mentioned Chris Pratt. I don't know if I've already mentioned this on the show already, but Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Producer Dave, have I mentioned that I've seen it already? Yes, I think you have, yes. Have you seen it already? I am part of the way through it. Part part of the way through it because it's on Disney Plus at the moment. So you're you're part of the way through it. You need yes. to get all the way to the end of watching that film because I've seen it three times already. Three and times. I, oh good gosh. Yes, I saw it once at the cinema. Oh no, actually, I saw it twice at the cinema. <laughs> Did I see it twice at the cinema? Uh, no, I saw it once at the cinema. Pretended not to have seen it so I can watch it with the kids. I watched it with the kids, and uh, third time I watched it was on the flight as well. And it was it, it it's I will happily go and watch that movie again. That is 
it, it, when people talk about trilogies that are just perfect, 100% Guardians of the Galaxy is one of them. It, the first movie is great. Volume one is great. Volume two is 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 a brilliant follow up, and volume three just closes it off in fantastic style. Um, so yeah, my favorite movie of of all time. No, 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 not my favorite movie of all time. That still goes to Oh Brother Where Art Thou, but we won't go that down. Go there. I'll say favorite movie of all time. Oh Brother Where Art Thou, and coming in at number two is a three way tie with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Or a trilogy. That's essentially how I'd put it. So those are all the films that I watched. Well, some of the films that I watched over the last uh, few weeks. Jumping into television, I have been binge watching quite a lot. And it's like, uh, w just before we went off on the break, did I mention that I was binge watching Shameless, the, the US yes, version? Yes, you did. You did. You said you were watching Shameless. And I recommended that you, you asked me whether or not you should watch the... Um... The UK, UK version, and I was saying you definitely need to watch it. Okay, so I started watching the US version as soon as the UK version finished. I got three episodes in. I do agree it is a good show. Um, it is clearly not, a, and we knew this going in, it's not as polished as the US version, because that's often what happens, you know, US version comes with bigger budgets, and, and it, it, it obviously already has... Um, the UK version as the rough, you know, the rough sheet, the scratch pad that it can base a lot of its things on so it can elevate it from there. So there was that. You can see the rough edges in the UK version. But I stopped after like three or four episodes, not because I was getting bored, um, because a lot of those episodes as well, the US version, copy it, not necessarily scene for scene, but the storyline. They kind of copy it, some of the beats, they copy as well. Obviously, they change the locations because of where it is. In the US version, um, Frank gets dropped off in Canada. In this one, I think he gets dropped off in France and so on and so forth. So the same beats are in the show. So I, I kind of tail, I, I drifted off. But another reason why I drifted off was because um, there's an actor in the US version of Shameless. And this is Jeremy Allen White. He plays Lip. That's who he plays. He plays Lip. Loved him in Shameless. And I even did a post um, on Instagram while I was watching Shameless. If they ever need to do a biopic or just a snapshot of James Dean, right? If they ever need to do a snapshot of James Dean, this is the guy that they, if they don't get this guy, they need to fire every single casting director because he may not necessarily be a like spitting image of James Dean, but his entire when they say your entire persona is that character. Loved his character arc in Shameless, and around the same time when I was finishing Shameless, there was a TV show or there is a TV show that was in Disney Plus. They just kept on doing the rounds called The Bear. Have you heard of The Bear? Is this the one that? Um... No, it's not cocaine beer. No. It's not cocaine bear. Speaking of which, I saw cocaine bear as well. <laughs> we might circle around to that mm. in a second, but yeah, it's not. It's not cocaine bear. This is just called the bear. So it's so this is it's a TV series on Disney Plus or Hulu if you have Hulu. Uh, it's a young chef from the fine dining world returns to Chicago to run his family sandwich shop. So. Uh, Jeremy Allen White, the way they describe it, he's like the best, young, hottest sh uh, chef 
in the world. He is he's the top chef in the best restaurant in the world. That's how they describe him. But his brother, and you find this out in the very first episode, his brother who runs the family sandwich shop takes his own life. And so this character needs to come back and take over and basically run uh, Carmen. That's it, uh, Carmi or Carmen, Carmi comes back to take over the restaurant. And he's basically having to rustle up this ragtag team of chefs and make the restaurant a success. It is gritty. There was there's a there's a film, a great UK film called Boiling Point with Stephen Graham, and it's 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 set in a restaurant in the UK, and it's done entirely in one take. It's on Netflix. You can go check it out. There is an episode in The Bear, which I think I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if it was directly influenced by that film they did that entire uh, entire episode in one take and it is as claustrophobic as you could imagine a kitchen would be with the panic the chaos trying to make sure things are going okay while trying to make sure that the you know the guests are not freaking out and wanting to run and leave the restaurant and the restaurant not burning down it's a great great tv show um it so far it's two seasons but it is so good. It is very, very good. You feel for every single character in it. Um, it's just, and and there's one episode in particular where it's such it's so star-studded with the number of like great character actors that pop up in this one episode. I'm not going to say which actors that they are because I want you to go watch it. And then when you watch it, the episode is in the second season. And it's like a bot what they call a bottle episode. So bottle episodes are when you're watching TV shows, usually they used to do it for uh, just a little behind the scenes. They do bottle episodes where it's shot entirely in one location. And it's mm -hmm. usually done so that you don't have to build new sets and move around in different places. You're just basically stuck in one location and you shoot the entire thing in that one location. That's that one episode. It's a bottle episode. It's just shot entirely in this one house. Um, and you get to see people just popping in, popping in, popping in. And it's like, okay, I know I know this character is supposed to show up. Who's going to play this character? This character is going to show up. Who's going to play this character? And the, and you just look at it like, hey, hey, hey. That's how it's just going throughout the entire uh, episode. But it's a great episode. The very, the very last episode of the second season, there's a character who goes and throws up. And I felt it. I felt so, I, I, I was like, no, that is the exact right reaction for that situation. There's nothing else. I felt like doing that before you did it. It's such a great show. The Bear, highly recommend it. It's a great show. It's got Jeremy Allen White in it. It's got Ayo Edibury in it. Um, you've probably seen her in Elementary. On, uh, uh, sorry, Abbott Elementary. And it's like, yeah, okay, great show. Okay, anyway. before, we, before you go on, you mentioned yes. Abbott Ele Elementary. Have you seen that? I've started watching Abbott Elementary. I was watching it before I started binge watching Shameless. Um, uh, I, I I like Abbott Elementary, but in a, it's like for me the hype on Abbott Elementary is a little bit much. Um, okay, let okay. I've got two hats here, and <laughs> as always, I, as always, I have this dichotomy that I I personally have to fight. Let me explain what I mean. So, and this is going to take a very weird twist. So are you ready, producer Dave? You asked the question. So okay, fire away. Right. So I'm mixed race, right? Uh, my my father's Nigerian, my mother's English. Um, 
And throughout my life, there's always been that struggle of, are you, are you black? Are you white? Right. Uh, and whenever anyone asks me, I just say I'm mixed race. I can see from both races. I can talk on behalf of both races because I'm often called in in that situation to do so. Whenever I'm with my black friends, they ask me about a white perspective. Whenever I'm with my white friends, they ask me about the black perspective. Now, the reason I bring this up is because of Abbott Elementary. Abbott Elementary takes the format, if you've never seen it, you can, again, it's on Hulu. I think Hulu, it's a definite Disney Plus. It takes the format the same as um, Modern Family, Parks and Rec, the other one, Office, The Office, right? Whereas the mockumentary style, where you're having a, you know, a, an invisible documentary crew following the the teachers and student and staff of this elementary school called Abbott Elementary, interspersed with interviews with people. So you get to understand things that are going on in the background. So that's a, a very common tropey thing to be done, right? Now, the difference with this one in particular, from my perspective, it is the first TV show of that kind that has been done with a majority black cast. So it is, uh, there. obviously there are white characters and white actors in it, but it's the, the lead is written, is created by Quinta Bronson, who was the main character uh, in the show. And he's got a number of other actors in it as well, uh, but it's a majority black cast. Now, the acting is great. The writing is great. Let me let me scale that back. And this is the reason why you get that dichotomy, because to promote I, I want to promote, um, you know, people of color on screen. I want to promote creators of color. I want to see TV shows like Abbott Elementary, um, you know, like like uh, Time Wasters, ones where, you know, it's the, the characters that you're seeing are not just your white whole bred male characters on screen i want to keep seeing that now with abbott elementary i'm seeing that which is great and it's good writing but it's been receiving a lot of accolades and the accolades i'm i'm, I'm thinking yeah it, uh, personally i don't think it's that great i don't think it's that great that it should it did it for years running it's receiving the same kind of thing as i don't feel that and then I have to I now have to fight within myself to say, okay, I have I have to support um creators of color, but I also have to then say, but objectively speaking, is this good? It kind of calls into mind that same uh conversation about Oscars and so on, where you know there's a complaint that there aren't creators and actors and projects featuring people of color being nominated for the Oscars. And the one argument that a lot of, and I'm just, I'll just throw this out. And I know they're not all like that, but the people who are defending the whiteness of the Oscars are saying, well, if you make a good film, then, you know, that has people of color on there, then we'll nominate it. But we know that that's a lie. We know that there are great films made by people of color and they don't get that, um, that um, option. They don't get the opportunity to be placed up there. But the problem is, when you then get one of the ones that are, get up there, they're not that great. So those the people, again, defending the whiteness, then say, well, of course that film didn't win. You yourself said it's not good. Say, you know, say it doesn't deserve it. And that's the problem I face. So just to bring my rant back to, sheesh, I've been gone how many weeks? And immediately you set this off, producer Dave. You set me ranting. You didn't, um, need, to, you didn't need to have a rant, though. I just asked the question. 
<laughs> you know what buttons to push. No, um, no, no. I just asked the question, and you forgot that it's that, the reason why I asked was because you, you well, a, you mentioned it, and that yeah. reminded me that it's um, recently started on Channel Four. Oh, sorry, E Four. Have, have you seen it yet? I've watched a few episodes. Yes. What, what do you think? Um, there are some funny moments. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. It's it's like it's it's. Okay, now I'm going to be extra critical. Okay, so I, as the black half of me is going to say, watch Abbott Elementary. Let's get 10 seasons of Abbott Elementary. Let it be great. Let it be prosperous. Let it open the door and keep the door open so that other creators of color, men, women, you know, uh, non-binary, step in and create great entertaining television because Abbott Elementary forced that door and kept that door open. Now, I'm not going to say the white side of me. I'm just going to say the part of me that is not really looking at that racial element of it would say Abbott Elementary is good. It's not great, mainly because a lot of what a lot of what Abbott Elementary uses as its you know as its way of telling humor has already been done before and has been done to death and has been done in excellent fashion by what came before it check modern family modern family modern family has its flaws but it is almost nearly flawless with the way it does it um uh, the office and i'm talking the uk version of the office is almost flawless in the way it does it anyway i'm ranting a little bit too much maybe we'll have a full conversation about this another time um but yeah anyway you're listening to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i'm marcus e Ako. I'm producer Dave. And on today's show, the only, we're not even going to do film and TV news, we're just going to jump straight to Spotlight, uh, mainly because I was ranting for a long time, but also because our guest this week is the CEO of LS Productions, uh, Marie Owen. Fantastic guest that we could get. LS Productions is a global production company. Uh, you'll hear from the conversation that I have with Marie. Um, uh, how uh, uh, meteoric rise from her kitchen to being a almost a 40 million pound turnover production company, working with people like Harry Styles and Zendaya and Cristiano Ronaldo and, and going into the film business and so on and so forth. But you know what? Don't let me ramble on about it. We're going to jump straight into the interview and listen to Marie talk about how she started her business. Here's my conversation with Marie Owen. You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I have with me someone who has basically achieved absolutely every single thing that I wanted to achieve uh, in life and has done it in pretty much the same way I thought I can do that, and I've not. And so what we're going to do is we're going to sit with this uh, this young woman and ask her how she managed to achieve it. She is... Uh, she, in fact, I won't even try and introduce her. I'll let her introduce her, herself. And I'm going to get her to talk about her first. We, we do the whole top five favorites as well. So let's bring her on. Please tell us your name. And let's start off, first of all, uh, with your title and your number five favorite film of all time. Oh, hello. 
Lovely to meet you, Marcus, and thank you very much for inviting me along today. So uh, my name is Marie Owen, and I'm the founder and current CEO of LS Productions, which is a production company I started from my kitchen table 17 years ago. Uh, okay, so now we'll come to that in just a second. Uh, but let's say top five, your number five favorite film of all time. I know a lot of people say, oh, how can you rank it? It doesn't matter. It Whatever no. comes to you right now that I've asked you that question, what is your number five? Evan Almighty. Oh, 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 controversial. You went with Evan Almighty, not Bruce not Almighty. Bruce Almighty, no. I prefer Evan Almighty. You prefer I Steve like Carell? To, you yeah. prefer Steve Carell to Jim Carrey? Yeah, in that role, yeah. I, I just think he's brilliant. And it makes me laugh every single time. I just think it's a very clever movie. It's got a lot of good messages in it too, but that's a whole lot no, of I, I would never have expected anyone to use, to expect to, <laughs> to A, pull Evan Almighty as one of their favourite films of all time, and then to put that over Bruce Almighty. Funnily enough, I was thinking about that exact same film, Bruce Almighty, a couple of days ago, when there's a scene uh, where where, where it's, it was just, you know, someone was talking about how uh, they discovered that the tides are changing because of the size of the moon. And the first time I ever realized that that was the case was watching Bruce Almighty, where he makes the moon, he brings the moon closer. So it's a full moon so he can romance his girlfriend. And that causes a whole bunch of issues with the tides. Uh, <laughs> hey, this is your top five, not mine. Uh, and you learned something. There you go. <laughs> I did exactly. Um, I don't know what I learned from Evan Almighty, but uh, but I, I I know it did have some power, some powerhouses in there. Um, Steve Carell as well coming from the first one. Um, but you know what? I enjoyed the movie, but I'm not going to criticize your number five, even though it sounds like I have. Uh, Marie <laughs> Owen, you have joined us today. To um, your your production company, you've given a very you you gave a very flippant. A description of LS Productions, how you started it from from your coffee table, and how it it's it's LS company is LS production company is a mat is a behemoth in films, uh, and it just it recently was put at number five on the FM FEM uh, growth list. If you don't know what that is, it's basically companies that are crushing it in every industry whatsoever, and you hit number five in 2023. Let's talk about the origins. You talked about starting it 17 years ago. Um, yeah. What was the inspiration for you deciding to start this company from your coffee table? Okay. Well, what if, my husband is a fashion photographer. And as we um, met each other and, you know, we we, um, started, we got married, et cetera, he moved to Scotland. And this is where this, the company originated from and was just blown away by how beautiful the locations are in Scotland. What a beautiful country it is for all of the traditional and historical reasons you would imagine, but also for all the other things that people don't know about Scotland or maybe don't expect from Scotland. And one of the things he particularly loved was the light. So it was starting from a gap in the industry of saying, no one has come to Scotland to do fashion shoots. And from there, I developed an idea, well, to do these sort of things, you need to do production. Now, I, I was cabin crew before I did this, and it seems a funny um, transition to go from cabin crew to owner of production company. But actually, first of all, over this period of time, I've realised I am an entrepreneur. But secondly, it's all about how you treat people and customer care, client care, you know, our, our people, our team and how you care for them. And that 
was easily transferable from actually being cabin crew because all about people and passengers in that environment too. So a gap in the market and then a, an understanding of what really makes a company successful. And I think it's people are its success. So that was the kind of nutshell. Um, I also was at the time a mum of three young kids and I was kind of looking for my next thing to do. And I was very lucky to be given an opportunity to give something like this a chance and then just give it my best goal, which is kind of what I've done. And your best goal, swinging for the fences, your production company is responsible for uh, numerous projects, starting from, as you said, you talked about fashion uh, works that you've done, uh, the Grammy-nominated Harry Styles music videos, uh, talking about fashion, there's the Zendaya uh, video as well, which your production company has worked on. And you just, from 2006 all the way to today, you're working on a lot of projects that a lot of people are, are interested talking about. Um, now, as you, you you mentioned, you was you moved from being cabin crew to starting this and now becoming a company that is having a forty million turnover. What kind of what kind of challenges did you have to overcome in, in that people would not necessarily anticipate? Obviously, there's the idea that you have to get capital, you have to get a good. Uh, team around you and so on those are the usual obstacles people could think of what obstacles did, did you just not see coming that you overcome you overcame to get to how successful you are everything everything's been a challenge along the way because i have never done this before so it's a learning curve and i love that i think any journey you're on you should always be learning no one knows at all whatever your position however you long you've done it for so i was very lucky to begin that from a sort of stand and start but everything, well, who are their customers? How do you market to your customers? How do you speak to customers? How do you bring the right team in? Because you can bring a team in, but how do you get the right people? How do you get people with the right attitude? I think hire for attitude, not skills. In our type of industry, you can learn those skills. You know, we're not doing brain surgery. You want a skilled brain surgeon. Us, it's about people. And you can learn so much from the from peers and colleagues. But attitude is quite difficult, you know, to change. You need to get that right. Some of the biggest learning curves for me is that you can't just be nice in business. I think it's important to set those values and those kind of ground rules. And we have something at LS called the bare elicities. If you want to buy in to being part of LS, it's a two-way thing about trust and comms and encouragement, some basics, but actually trying to install this and, and, and encourage people to, to, to work to the same value, vision and beliefs. That's been a real challenge. Um, but probably one of my biggest learning curves which kind of was a mistake, but also a brilliant opportunity to learn was going into business with a friend, which right at the beginning seemed the easiest option and um, a very sensible option. She had experience in the industry. She knew people and she already had one a sort of business in her own right running. But we were very mismatched on how we thought a business should run and, and why. And we separated fairly quickly within about 18 months which was quite painful for both of us at the time but a real learning curve and something that I felt I had to do for the benefit of the future of the business so we could get that right from the start but that was a really tricky learning curve. That's a very interesting point that you raise about actually starting businesses and you even described it yourself it's easy right so you you get along with the person especially as you said your company's uh, is uh, built on the principle of of compatibility you 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 work together and you, you like the people you're working with. You can learn the skills as you go along. 
And a lot of people, myself included, I've started businesses with friends where you're having a drink and you think it'll be great to do this. And then you get together, you start doing it. And within a couple of weeks, you realize, oh, no, this is not right. This is just this is not a good fit. But then you get the problem there with how do I tell my friend that I don't want to work with them anymore because I find them the problem, especially if they're the other way inclined where they're thinking this is fantastic. It's going great. So that's a great piece of advice. Be careful about starting up businesses with friends because that could go down the wrong path. I don't think it's impossible, but I think you do. You have to start with the end in mind and set some parameters from the start. Who's doing what? Why? You know, how this is at very simple things. But I think if you can kind of get that sort of strategy at least laid out so people you're all clear you're all on what the same page about what's expected because just being friends doesn't mean it's going to be like you know working together is like when you're in the pub together you know they're two completely different things that makes that makes total sense outlining your boundaries right from the very beginning your objectives making sure both of you totally 100% agree that's the objective and also knowing what kind of challenges are on either side because you could say right i know that this is the goal i'm going to get to but i may have trouble getting to that because of this and then the other person has to either accept or point out at that point this would be the issue and so you decide whether where you're going from there that's yeah. fantastic advice <clears throat> you're listening to shoot the breeze on resonance 104.4 fm i'm marcus e Ako, and i'm with marie owen who is the founder of ls productions if you don't know ls productions trust me you've seen their projects you've seen they've produced videos uh, from uh, harry styles zendaya ed sharon you're working with cristiano ronaldo you've now moved into film production feature film production as well as tv production um some of the projects you worked on uh, is ghosted which is on apple tv um so let me switch this now now i know i mentioned i asked you earlier about your top five favorite i mentioned your number five favorite film but let's talk about um number three favorite tv show i like to just throw numbers around so it doesn't matter which numbers you've, you've got a list you're like oh no it's 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 ranked specifically so your number three favorite television show of all time what is it marie outlander <laughs> outlander that's the scottish one um I, I would have assumed you'd have pushed that higher right because well well <laughs> <laughs> I'd say Outlander is Mills and Boons for Scotland. Oh. And it's not it's not for everyone, but it's one of the series that my husband and I actually have watched the whole thing together, which is rare because we have very different taste. And I definitely use film and TV to switch off. So I'm going to kind of say my choices are quite lowbrow because actually I just like, I don't like anything too intense. But I loved the flipping of Outlander back and forward. I won't go into it too much if you've not watched it. And I was really inspired by how much furore it ca caused across the world. Now, I understood more about Outlander from spending time in America than I did by living in Scotland. It's a bit, <laughs> you know, and I love that. I think, wow, look at the impact it's having on these people and who know the, the lead characters and actually where it was filmed, et cetera, it, we're not having the same effect yet. And as I say, it's changed slightly since it went on Amazon Prime, I think. But also then seeing the Outlander tours and here you can have dinner with, you know, the, the main characters or here's our whiskey that's related to so all the other things that have been spun off from the back of Outlander. And I find that interesting. And I live in Edinburgh, so I sort of see some of that. So yeah, for mixed reasons, but I enjoyed that program. I think there's another series to come. 
And I have met the writer and I think what a clever woman to be able to spin this story, um, which and I think it's a seventh series, is quite a clever thing to do. See, Outlander is one that I know about. It's in my periphery and it's always being pushed at me to watch um, by various people. I, I, I know the show so much, even though I've not watched a single episode because I get people who tell me, it's like, oh, and this happened, and then this happened, and then this season climactic thing happened, and then you get this character, and then what happened to this character, and you get this revealed. So I've been told everything about the show. Um, so it's, I do want to watch it. I do want to watch it. But anyone who's listened to our show know I have a list where if if as if people keep pushing a particular show, I'll say, I'm going to put it on the list. And it goes lower and lower and lower on the list. Um, so, so Outlander is not as high on the list as things I'm not going to watch as This Is Us, which a lot of people have been pushing at me to watch. But it is there. And I, the way I understand it, you gave a great description of it. You, called, you said Mills and Boone. For people who don't know Mills and Boone, for Gen Z, I would say would be take Fifty Shades of Grey, but put it in Game of Thrones, if you would. How I, how I would describe it. Um, now, it's fun. It's funny that you mentioned that you watch lowbrow television and films to switch off from the business that you're doing because your business as a production company is essentially creative uh, creativity. Um, what, how does that? How do you manage to to maintain that? How do you switch off from watching a TV show and going, "Now nah, I would have done that differently. No, that would have been. No, I see that that's a problem that could have been fixed like this and so on." How do you get to switch that off? That's really funny because I don't really do that. I just get engrossed by the story. And if it just feels good, I just go with the flow. Yeah, I work with a lot of people, including my daughter, that if we're watching something, she'll say, wow, imagine what the cost for that piece of music was. We've just been watching Firefly Lane and that's on my list as well. So we'll come back to that. I have mixed feelings about it, but there's some brilliant bits and the music in that is fabulous. So we're constantly thinking, just imagine how much that piece of music cost. So, but when I'm, when I'm watching things on my own, and to be fair, when I was thinking about this before we met um, today, I don't have a lot of time. Like, my switch off is not film and TV, so I'm not the biggest film and TV buff that you might expect me to be. And maybe because it's because I do it for work. But obviously, just being a busy person, a mum, three children, and you know, a life, this is, of course, that's not my necessarily go-to. But when I get into something, I am addicted and then I just cram in all the seasons or the, all the episodes like everyone does. Oh, but, so, um, so you're a binge watcher as opposed to a, oh, great, because my producer, producer Dave, we have this constant back and forth argument. He is, he prefers to watch things episodically, so he'll happily watch one episode, wait for next week. That's not me. As soon as they invented binge watching, I'm like, I'm like, take me. I'm great. That's yeah. it. I will binge watch an entire season in two days. Um, because I I, I don't sleep. Uh, I just cram all of that useless information to my head. Um, Now- I'm a binge watcher because you can save it for when you have gaps like traveling. If I'm flying on a plane, I have a nice wedge of things, far too much, I'm never going to fit in. It also does depend what mood I'm in. I'm a bit like this with reading books. I usually have a few books on the go and I read different ones depending on how I'm feeling, if that makes sense. Because I don't know, I don't want something really heavy if I need something to switch off with. Or maybe that's when I'll choose something lighthearted to what, I don't know, that's, especially if it's for downtime, it has to depend on your mood. Of course, of course, because you are because you don't want to be, as you said, if you're feeling in a sort of like, uh, you know, you're down, you're exhausted, you don't necessarily want to be watching Schindler's List 
you want to watch something like Evan Almighty to pick you up so that you can just laugh at something that's silly and see John Goodman on an arc and just go, yeah, that's <laughs> hilarious. It's great. Um, now, you mentioned as you when you watch things and you mentioned Firefly Lane, which we will come to, uh, and you mentioned how your daughter would point out how much something would cost. So you obviously surround yourself with creative people. Your husband is a fashion photographer. So you have that creativity that surrounds you. Um, do you tend, as you're now the founder of LS Productions, which is a massive behemoth of a company, do you tend to get tons of creatives coming at you and saying, hey, or like your barber, for example, your hairdresser, or you know, you go to get your manicures done and someone says, oh, but speaking of which, I have this great idea for this TV show starring Idris Elba and, and uh, Jessica Chastain. Do you get a constant barrage of pitches being thrown at you um, and if you do, how do you, what do you tend to do when in that kind of situation? Uh, yes and no. Sometimes the people who are closest to me don't really understand what I do as a job. So that probably doesn't happen so much. But the company, I think, yes. And we have a bit of a process to try and filter people who are quite serious. I've really given this some thought because these ideas can come from all sorts of places. Clearly, we have to be careful with our time. We need to try and filter it in some way but neither do we want to stint or stunt someone's creative thinking because that one nugget of an idea can turn into something brilliant so we do have a sort of channel within our um inquiries if you like that go through our systems where we say okay great fill out this and put it down on paper so we can get it in front of the right people in the business to have a think about it so in our um, film department we do have a committee that talks through ideas oh that's it let's find out a bit more about that we've already got something like that is that funded is it not funded could be funded so we've got a little bit of a decision committee but I think you need to be open at all times to people's creative things. If I was in the hairdresser's seat and somebody started talking to me about something, and it does happen, or through my husband and his connections and his friends and his colleagues, people have got ideas, then we'll bring that to one of our meetings and have a have a chat about it. So we are all ears, um, and we do put it in front of the right people. So it just depends. Sometimes you get a feeling, and something just touches a nerve, and you're like, oh, I really like that, or it might be personally interesting. So we're we're open to all of that. I hope me not having suggested that doesn't then cause a barrage of people who listen to the show to then say, oh, we see Marie in the street. I'm going to try and rush and start giving her loads of ideas because that's my lane. I'm, that, I'm, I use this opportunity <laughs> to meet people like you so I can chuck ideas at you and say, hey, I've got right off the bat. I've got five TV show ideas that Idris Elba is going to star in most of them. So it's, it's so if you're interested in working with Idris Elba or you have any plans to work with him, let him know. That is a guy with uh with that. He probably knows my name because I've been pitching ideas at him constantly anyway. But it's Love that. and stranger things have happened. And if I can make a company like this, anything can happen. I mean, when I started the company and what it's like now, I suppose in my heart I felt what we were doing could could grow and could touch all the different sides of the industry it does now. But would I really thought it was going to happen? No. But stranger things that happen, if you chip away at something you believe in and you hold true to it and you work hard, why not? Anything's possible. So your idea is just as possible. Excellent. Um, Producer Dave is going to listen to this and he's going to go, there's another person he's pitched that, but it's fine. <laughs> You're listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Marcus E. Ako, and I'm speaking with Marie Owen, the founder of LS Productions. It's one of the most successful production companies to come out of the UK, the United Kingdom. It's based in Edinburgh. As, as, uh, let me ask you this question. 
do do you have any issues with people specifying the fact you know just saying UK as opposed to specifying Scotland or are you fine with UK? I have to ask just in case. Absolutely fine with the UK. This is all about, you know, yes, we're a Scottish business with a Scottish heart. Our head office is in Scotland and that's brilliant. I love living in Scotland, but we are the UK and, the, the, you know, there's there's so many great places and interesting locations and great people to work with across the UK and now out with, because we do do some work out with the UK. This is about running a global business. We just happen to live in luckily live in Scotland. As I say, it's a beautiful place to live. feel so privileged to work in an industry like this and get to live in Edinburgh at the same time. Uh, we have some friends who come on the show uh, um, a while, a number of times, Vinny Film. It's uh, Nat, uh, Nat and Downs and Ed Dayday. They just shot a film, a short film called Hidden in, I think it's in Edinburgh. Um, I'm not entirely sure. It's, it's an old Western uh, and it's all female cast. And it is, it's, it's a, I saw it the other day, they, they're going to be going around on film festivals pretty soon. It is, and you're right, it, Scotland is just a beautiful place when you see it. It's, you imagine, hence the reason Outlander is so fantastic, right? So you've got all the, uh, it's a, the visual spectacle as well that's added to it. So it's, it's, you've got a location already, kind of like New Zealand, where they did with Lord of the Rings. Uh, so you can, yeah. you've got a, a location where you don't even have to, have to do much it's already beautiful once you start to film it. Now, speaking of films, we talked about your number five. Let's jump to your number one favorite film of all time. What is your number one favorite film of all time? You're going to hate this. I'm really sorry, but it's Father of the Bride. The Steve Martin film? <laughs> I I don't hate that. Um, see, here's the thing. You prepped it up by saying Evan Almighty was your number five. So immediately I was not hold. I, I did not have any expectations whatsoever, but I really love Father of the Bride um, because I, and it, I mean, I, I binged watched it. I watched it over and over again on repeat watching back in the 90s. Because it's one of those ones that will come on TV and it's like, it, and it's Steve Martin. You can't go, you can't go bad with Steve Martin and Martin Short as the wedding planner. Uh, it, it, it's fantastic. So tell me, what do you love about Father of the Bride? It's probably a really personal reason, but me and my dad used to find it really funny. My dad's passed away now, but it was one of those films that would just be on a Sunday or a slow, we would watch it and just the humour really tickled us. Then clearly at one day, he was the father of me, like father of the bride and blah, 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 blah. But it's still, I mean, it's so old now. I can't even remember how old it is. I'm not sure. But it's still one of those things, the humour's great. The act, it's just, it's just for me, spot on. I've watched it hundreds of times. I don't think, oh, they could have done that better. I wish they'd done less of this or more of this. I just love it. And you'll soon realise I am the least person to be your film buff, so everyone expects me to be really into film. And I'm not, <laughs> I've told you this before, just things I like, things that make me feel good, things that I find interesting. And obviously, I watch, it's like my music taste. They're varied. So if you ask me right now, top five music, you'd be like, it's quite a weird combination. I feel the same about what I watch on the big screen or on TV as well. I totally get that. Um, I, I will consider myself a film buff because that's if you were to if if I were to be planted in front of a television, that's how I was raised pretty much. Is like my parents just had all four of us, and then they dealt with the other three, and they're like, "Look, we're done with you," and just put me in front of the TV, and that's pretty much where I learned <laughs> everything. Um, yeah, my mom's listening to this and going, "No, we didn't do that," but that's exactly how it was. So that's I, I consume film. Um, but I do understand what you mean, where you're in, where if I were to rank mine, mine go all over the place as well. 
I'm not going to bore our listeners with it because they've heard me t- rant constantly <laughs> about Oh Brother, Where Art Thou uh, as my favorite film and then going into the Marvel franchise. And so let me use this as a way to segue. So um, two things I want to ask in particular with regards to your work. As a producer, uh, what do you do as a producer? There are a number of people who are going to be what, listening to this and they're going to think, well, yeah, I know what a film director does, or kind of. I know what an actor does, kind of. Uh, but a producer, I'm not entirely sure what does a producer do uh, in a production set, you know, on a on a shoot or in a music video. So what does a producer like you do on a shoot? Really, a producer takes the idea from a brief and that brief may come generally from a director, but probably from a director's agent or their production company. So they, they're probably pitching to win a piece of business, especially in commercials. So there's a creative brief. There's a look and feel. This is what we're trying to, to do. So there's usually a treatment of some sort that we can pick apart. So we have to pick it apart creatively. Well, it needs a mountain and a shop and a pub and a river and 20 people and six horses. And from that, I'll need health and safety and water safety. And so you start to say what it looks like, but then everything that kind of goes below that in terms of how to actually make it happen. It's like putting an event together. They also then have to work with our location department about actually where they're going to make this thing. Now, this could be multi-location. It could be studio on location. It could be one location. But if you think about it, if you're making a commercial, you might need eight locations. It might need one. It might be a film. It might be eight locations. There might be one. There might be 20 people expected on set or 200 people. So a producer has to take this all into consideration as they're understanding the project and then think about where to base themselves. For instance, if you're going to do something near Manchester, you've got the hub of talent and crew. There's a great pool of people there. I mean, these are popping up more and more post-COVID, that they're more... People not just living in the big cities, but thinking about where you're going to get the crew from, where you're going to get the equipment from, where what location is going to look right, but also not be so remote or so far away that it impacts, you know, crew travel or work time. So getting that balance between creativity and logistics and that then knock on effect to the budget. So the producer's trying to take this all in. They're working with their production manager. They might have a production assistant doing lots of research. They're working with locations to bring all this together to say, this is this is what we suggest. This is what it could look like. This is what we would bring in to actually achieve the project. And this is what it would cost. Now that goes through iterations and iterations of changes to get that about right. Because for the creative side, at some point with the client, You've got a cost controller involved who's looking line by line. Why do you need 10 horses? Well, there's 10 in the treatment. You can only have four. Well, can we actually only work with four? Blah, blah, blah. So there's all these back and forth to get to a place where everyone feels that we're about spot on. And then it's about running that project day to day, preparing it, then on set, keeping it on time and keeping it on budget. It's a very tricky process. And as we've mentioned, so you've mentioned those projects. We've also mentioned some of the projects that you've worked on, the music videos. We talked about Ghosted for Apple TV. You've done The Bachelor with ABC. What projects are you currently working on that you that you are okay talking about it right now with us? Well, that's some of the problems. Mostly we're under NDA for things that are coming up because people don't want to know they're in pre-production or that we're in a sort of bidding situation for who's going to work, win the work. So in, honestly, I have to be really careful um, and what I'm saying. But one of the exciting things with our expansion is we're actually opening on Malta. So I've just been out in Malta. Malta is a brilliant film hub 
It's a very small island, um, just sort of on the southern tip of Italy, very Mediterranean slash quite North African feeling, so a real mishmash of look and feels. But Malta's set up because it has studio space, it has uh, water tank facilities, and I've just been to see the water tanks, and they're in the process of setting up for a massive feature film out there. That part of it is submerged in this huge water tank. It's absolutely fascinating to see. But their government and their film commission are so encouraging of filmmakers, you know, commercials, fashion, going to the island. They see it as economic income, so they, they attract people to the island, and they offer some very attractive rebates to certain projects that make it a... A brilliant and beautiful place to go, but also cost effective. So we're about to take a big American show there, which I can't say what it is right now, but you'll find out soon. And then we're bidding on lots of different commercial music video. And I've got a team up in Orkney at the moment working on a shoot for a whiskey brand. So a real mix, always a real mix what we're doing. That's why we get a lot of producers who come on, which is why I had to ask, what can you talk to us about? Because a lot of them were like, I can say this, but I can't say about this or this. And then I'll switch off and, and stop recording and they go, oh, this is what we're working on. And I'm like, you're going to the show. It's like, no, 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 we do. you don't understand. The moment one person says one thing, that breaks a deal and it becomes an issue and so on. So I That's totally it. understand. And we'll we'll switch off recording and you can tell me everything else. <laughs> I don't um, have to kill you, I'm afraid. Well, okay, or or you'll have to hire me in LS Productions, and I'll be there pitching all day. But I'll I'll, I'll tell you, all of my all my pitches will say so Idris Elba, and then that's how it's going to start. <laughs> uh, so uh, for people who want to know more about you, how can they follow you on social media? How can they follow LS Productions on social media? Well, have a little look. We're on Instagram. We're not on TikTok yet, but we should be. But my own personal TikTok is rubbish, so don't. <laughs> um, I have my personal um, Instagram feed, which I just like to be myself. I think you can gather that now. I own the company. I'm the founder and the CEO, but I'm just Marie. I'm just part of the team, and I like to get out there. What we're doing, what our people are doing, where I'm at, what I'm seeing, and what I'm thinking. And then you can, you'll find all the um, LS Productions handles on our website just so I don't get them wrong, have a little look and you'll be able to follow us from there. Fantastic. And I would love you to follow us. So please get involved and please say hi. If, if you listen to this, let me know what you think. You're going to regret having said that because it's going to be me every day saying, hi, Marie, <laughs> you said I should say hi. I've said hi. Like, every Marie Owen has blocked you. <laughs> and they're like, ah, oh, not another one. Uh, part, of uh, our, part of our aim is to build a community though. This is not, you know, yes, we have full-time employers, employees, sorry, but actually... We have a massive freelance family. They mean so much to us. All our suppliers, we couldn't deliver what we need to deliver on set without that. And it's about great people coming, well, being aware of us and, and, and bringing their creative ideas, but also maybe working freelance for us or coming to get work experience or applying for the jobs that we have. And the more people that know about us, the better it is for us. And building that community in Scotland and wider across the UK of people who are really interested in film and TV and what the possibilities are, you know, for working for a company like us. Excellent. We're going to put your social media on our uh, on our links so people can follow you. You, I was going to ask you what your number one favorite TV show is, but you talked about Firefly Lane. I'd love to give you this opportunity to talk to people about Firefly Lane. Okay, but I haven't watched the last episode and a half. <laughs> I'm saving it up because I'm watching it with my daughter and we need to take the moment we need to be in the right moment and not rush to watch it together although I feel I'm losing a bit of momentum I loved the switching back and forward from the 50s or whatever it is to the real day 
to be fair, I thought the acting was weird. The acting doesn't tick the boxes for me. It feels quite false, but the storyline, and in fact, maybe it's a little bit ironic, the acting. So I've gone with it. I'm not judging it too much because I still love the, the you know the story of the two women, their different backgrounds and where they've got to in life. And that, well, that thing about what is success, who is the most successful in that relationship and what does success mean? makes me think about what is success? Is it just money, power, fame? No, I don't think it is. Um, and the music, I've touched on that, how they flip between scenes that flip to the present day and bring in that music, I think it's spot on. I've really enjoyed it, but as I say, not quite finished it. So nobody spoiled the end and I've got a rough idea what happened. <laughs> <laughs> a meteor hit, I'm kidding, <laughs> I'm kidding, no. Uh, that's just, oh, I, I can imagine I'll say that. And then that's what's going to happen. And be like, look, I, I didn't, it wasn't me at all. Uh, no. You've been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. Marie, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to talk to us uh, and to, to educate us on uh, what LS Productions is, what how it how it's achieved its massive amount of success. And you're you're there as a, as a goal. People can look at and say, that's who I want to be. I started off from my kitchen table and now I am working with Idris Elba and so on and so forth. Uh, so absolutely loved speaking to you and we hope, wish you success on all your future endeavors. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been lovely talking to you. And that was my conversation with Marie Owen. You just we, we could have honestly spoken for hours because we just kept on bouncing back and forth about different TV shows. I wanted to uh, ask more questions. I only got to ask uh, for a, a couple of her favorite uh, films and one or two TV shows. Um, I really wanted to keep talking and talking and talking, but obviously she's not as, she, she, she's, she, she, I'm not as busy as she is. She has more important things to be doing but i want to thank her very much for taking the time to chat to me one thing that she did mention uh out after the the interview which we didn't record but i want to give a shout out is a uh, is a website called my smash media so any of you who are interested in uh, film pitches in tv pitches and you want to try and get your uh, you want to try and get uh, you, you're struggling to try and get your foot in the industry, but you don't know how to do that. Go and check out My Smash Media, uh, the team behind it, uh, talented, uh, talented bunch. Two of the uh, the co-founders are Fiona Gillis and Christine Hartland, uh, and they're doing wondrous things uh, on My Smash Media. They set set up uh, a portal for you to be able to package whatever idea you have, no matter which point it's in. It could be the fact that you've got an idea and you don't know how to build from there. Go on to My Smash Media and you'll uh, and you they'll guide you with their portal on how to formulate your idea. And Marie Owen was the one who gave me the idea. And for somebody who can get their production company with such a meteor meteoric rise. I'm taking every piece of advice that she can give me. So uh, I want to thank Marie again for letting us uh, interview her. And I want to thank all of you for listening to me rant about Abbott Elementary or about other stuff, depending on what producer Dave keeps in, in the episode. Uh, all I know, producer Dave has completely cut out my rant. But I'm always going to be here to rant more and more. And I want to thank you all very much for taking the time to listen to me rant and to uh, you know pay attention to producer Dave's cries for help which he stuck listening to me uh, continuously rant. Another person, another group of people I want to thank 
Resonance FM, like I said, if they watched or listened to any of our shows, they would cut it really quickly, even if it's just to spare producer Dave from the torture of listening to me talk every week. Uh, keep listening. You can download our podcasts. You can go on to Resonance FM SoundCloud and listen to him. Go and listen to all the shows on Resonance FM. We're back this autumn. You have been listening to Shoot the Breeze on Resonance 104.4 FM. I have been Marcus E. Ako. And I'm still producer Dave. Then thank you very much for listening. And speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye.